Welcome to Game of Stones, everybody. I am Sean Graham Scott alongside, as always, hello, Scott. Sean, what's going on? I'm a little fired up. Yeah, you're really fired up before we started to record here. Yeah, we, we wasted a lot of good pod on our pre, <laughs> pre-pod discussion. We but, did. Uh, we're here at the Rideau Curling Club today. Yeah, yeah, we came here in part to watch Team Moser, who is not participating in a game this evening. I did not check the schedule. It's a terrible job by me. So what you're saying is uh, we did a lot less research for Team Moser's schedule as compared to the participants in the Scotties Tournament of Hearts. Absolutely right, and I think that is 100% warranted. Uh, although last week we did do a very scientific uh, research analysis of the time of game of Team Moser, uh, which was not particularly welcomed by the team, but we did it anyway. Uh, <laughs> and now we have turned our attention to the Scotties Tournament of Hearts, which kicks off Friday night out there in Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan, one of the sneaky great cities in this country. I personally love Moose Jaw. Wonderful town. They got the tunnels there. They got the murals. They got the giant moose, of course. Of course. And they have this year the Scotties Tournament of Hearts. And if you're from out of province, you can park your car for free in Moose Jaw without uh, province plates. Wow, out of province uh, plates. Fun fact about Moose Jaw. Uh, But Scott, this field, we talked about it on Sunday. We talked about it since the field was set. This is an absolutely loaded field. I am very excited. The Scotties is my favorite event of the year. There's just something about the hearts in the the, uh, button area. Uh, I just love everything about it. Even the commercials I like. I like the woman who's using the shopping cart as a as a stone, stone almost and she has all Scotty's products but like different versions of Scotty's products <laughs> perfectly arranged yep. in her trunk including like the same thing like yeah, so she like has like different brands of uh, toilet paper yeah so she got like the regular toilet paper she got the cashmere toilet paper like why <laughs> I don't understand. Well, like, one for the guest bathroom. Like and one the, for I just, the, I just own. love everything about this event. And Scott, this field is 100% absolutely loaded. I think it's the best field that we've had in at least 10 years. Yeah, it's it's really good. And looking at the groups, uh, which we'll get into in a bit, uh, Group A seems like a group of death. There's going to be at least one really good team that that isn't able to make the championship round. And uh, yeah, overall, like really top quality uh, competition. Yeah, so uh, let's get into it. We'll start with the wild card teams. The field is set, but not fully set. So uh, the two teams that qualified based on points, and really was no question, it was the two teams out of the big three from Manitoba who did not win That's right. the provincials, unless there was an upset, of course. So we get Jennifer Jones facing off against Tracy Fleury. In the wild card game, Friday night, it'll be on sheet C. Mm-hmm. Sort of interesting factoid: on Friday, all the teams get 15 minutes to practice on each sheet. That's right. Except for the two wild card teams, who get 15 minutes on Thursday on sheet C and 15 minutes on Friday on sheet C. So whoever comes in won't have practiced on any of the other sheets. I don't think it really matters that much. Just sort of an interesting factoid, but. Tracy Fleury, Jennifer Jones, Friday Night Sky, what do we expect out of this game? Well, these are obviously the two best teams that weren't able to qualify through Provincials. 
Tracy Fleury's team had a, a really great fall. Uh, they got one Grand Slam uh, victory yep. under their belts. Uh, I expect a, a lot from them. They were, of course, Manitoba last year. Uh, had their you know ups and downs. I believe they did not qualify for the championship pool, uh, which was pretty crazy, uh, given given uh, Manitoba's pedigree. Yeah. But th- this year, c- comparing the results of Team Fleury versus Team Jones, you the odds makers I think in Vegas would put Team Fleury as the overwhelming favorite. Yet, if you had told me that. You know, at the start of this season, I would have said, oh, you're nuts. Jennifer Jones is a legend, right? You can't bet yeah. against her in the big game. Yet, I still might. Okay. What do you think? Do well, you think? it's tough. So last year, 4-4, uh, four and four, they lost a tie-break game to get into that championship pool. So 4-3 and three in the regular pool and mm-hmm. then losing a tiebreaker there. I, I agree. I think Tracy Fleury is the favorite, again, which is weird to say because Jennifer Jones is in this game. But, you know, last year... Jennifer Jones missed the playoffs as Team Canada, which is crazy on its own. She yeah. made it to the championship pool, missed the playoffs. She's had a tough fall. She's only won one event, which was the Shorty Jenkins. Otherwise, the results are not what you would expect from Jennifer Jones. <clears throat> on the season, 41-25, and 25, hammer efficiency of 38%, force efficiency 58%. Mm. So not great numbers there. The force efficiency isn't terrible. Yeah. Uh, but the hammer efficiency, you'd like that to be a little bit higher. And uh, one interesting thing, Scott, I went through because, you know, I test the results haven't been what we would expect from yeah. Jennifer Jones. So I went through, Scott, and found Jennifer Jones' winning percentages okay. for the past nine seasons. Uh, for the entire season? For the entire season. Okay. So... 2012, 730 winning percentage. 2013, 714. 2014, 788. 2015, 763. 2016, 699. 2017, 694. 2018, 789. Those are very, very good. Yes. Right. You're winning over 70% of your games over the course of seven seasons. Yes. That's pretty damn good. Pretty good. Last year, where we noticed that the results weren't what we would have expected, all the way down to 614, mm-hmm. this year down at 621. So a really noticeable slide in the overall winning percentage for Jennifer Jones the past two seasons. So yeah. it's not just us observing and thinking that she's struggling. The, the actual winning percentage bears that out. Mm-hmm. And we've seen it in some of the games, like the playoff games of the Canadian Open, where she had a lead and it seemed like she had almost luckily taking control of the game and then gives it right back. Yeah. Right? And she's given up more big ends. The Canada Cup, you remember she gave up a score of five in a 5-5 five, mm-hmm. five game to Kerry Anderson. Like yeah. Those things that you just don't expect from a Jennifer Jones-skipped team. And it's not so much a reflection on the team as Jennifer Jones herself has struggled uh, to, yeah. to throw, right? Like she's yeah. missed shots that you don't expect her to miss. So compare that to Tracy Fleury who has really come into her own this season. That win in North Bay at yep. that Grand Slam was a, a really big for this team, just playing with a ton of confidence. And when you're looking at, you know, as Brad Gushu said at the, the trials when I asked, like, why do we have this concentration of the teams in the playoffs at the Briar each year? He said, it's because of the skips. The skips. Yeah. It's because of the skips. And at this point, Tracy Fleury has played better than Jennifer Jones this year 
So you got to give her the edge. Yeah, and uh, if you compare the the supporting casts too, I I think Caitlin Laws is probably the best player out of the rest out of, of the, the eight, six of out them. Of the eight in the, maybe out of the eight in the game. Maybe, maybe, yeah, yeah. You could definitely make that case. Uh, but you know, top to bottom, uh, both of these teams are are like really good. So I don't think there's much to choose from from the first three positions. So then it will it will likely come down to who plays better, uh, Tracy Fleury or Jennifer Jones. Yeah. We know Jennifer Jones uh, likes to mix it up early. Uh, part of her trademark is her aggressive strategy. I wonder if you know not getting the results from that would cause them to switch gears and and maybe play a little less. Uh, mix it up a little less. I don't think it's in her DNA to do it. I don't think so either. But you wonder if that's a strategy that might afford them a, a better outcome. Maybe. I, I think where you might see that is a first end, right? I think Tracy Fleury has shown in the past a willingness to burn an end yep. to start a game. I, you know, Normally, Jennifer Jones would try to push back against a team that wants to do that. Maybe we don't see that in this game. I think it'll depend in part on who has the hammer, too, sure. or who wins that draw to the button. Do you know if it's a draw to the button, or is it based on seeding I believe it's a draw to the button okay uh, for for that wild card game so that'll make a big difference of course just from a you know uh, another perspective color seems to make a difference on the wild card teams uh, the yeah. teams uh, that have the brighter colors I think have lost the wild card games so you know look out to see who gets uh, which color jackets there yeah. too uh, you know, orange tends to not do well in these games, if memory serves. Although I think Casey Scheidegger a couple of years ago did win yeah. as orange. Did we have black and white last year? Yeah, we did. Were the two of them? Yeah. So uh, Carrie Anderson made it to the final uh, in 2017. Wearing black? Wearing the black, or 2018, excuse me, wearing yeah. the black jackets. Yeah. So, you know, color color could matter here on, on the jackets. Uh, Tracy Fleury, another interesting thing, Tracy Fleury has played more games this season, 11 more games than Jennifer Jones, but has lost fewer games. Okay. Right? So she's yeah. 55 and 22. Uh, Jennifer Jones is at 41, 25. So right. just, you, you got to give the edge to Tracy Fleury. But in your, if you're looking at, you know, experience and if the ice is tricky, which often is the case on the first day of these arena events, it's hard to say that Jennifer Jones doesn't have an advantage in ice rating. Now, the, Tracy mm-hmm. Fleury's played on a ton of arenas. This will be her fifth time at a Scotty's. Certainly no slouch in this category. But it's, it's, you, Jennifer Jones has seen everything you can see in terms of ice conditions. Yeah. So you've got to give her a slight edge there if the conditions are a little strange, which is what we saw last year That's right. in that wildcard game. Yeah, and we, we talked about it a bit on our last episode that that could – the, the team that picks up the ice first should win. Could be the team, or should be the team that wins. Yeah. So you know you got to give Jones the edge in that, yep. as you said. But I think, all things considered, we've got to pick Tracy Fleury as the favorite. I think so. So uh, the winner of that game, Scott, is going to go into Pool B. So that's where we'll start with our preview of the two pools. Uh, but first, Scott, we mentioned uh, the loadedness of the field. I went through and I calculated the records of all the skips in Scotty's games in which they were the skip. Okay. So Marianne Arsenault, a second for Colleen Jones. I didn't count those games. Just the games that she has played as the skip. Okay. Which, if I had included those games, this number would be (laughs) even crazier. So out of of the skips, out of the 16 skips... 
how many games just do you think have been skipped by these 16 women? Holy cow. At Scotty's. Well, you got you got a couple of rookies, right? So yep. so you won't have any games there. On the flip side, you've got Jennifer Jones who has played who has won six times, I think, and so that's at least 16, 15, 16 games. Uh, I, I'm gonna put put it in the 600s. So in total, we have 874 games Whew. skipped by the women who are skipping. That's not games played, right? Right, because Carrie That's, Galusha, her first couple times was as a front end player. Marion Arsenault, of course, is a front, front end, end player. player. Lori Eddy, her appearance was as a, a front end player. Yeah. So I'm not counting any of those. Wow. That's, Just as the skip. Overall, the record of the women as skips, 504 and 370. Wow, above 500. Well above 500. Uh, it's really a, a very impressive. If you look at some some of the ones that are just absolutely boncos, Jennifer Jones, 141 and 46 wow. at the Scotties. The other one, of course, Rachel Holman, 64 and 17. But overall winning percentage, can you guess who it is? The winner goes to... Who has the best winning percentage? Winning percentage as a skip. Yeah. I will... I, I'm surprised it's not Jennifer Jones. Uh... Actually, I didn't do the math here. Okay. But the one that I'm most impressed by, how's that? <laughs> well, then it's going to be uh, Nova Scotia and Marianne Arsenault. No, it's not. Marianne Arsenault has actually had a couple tough appearances. She's only oh. 26 and 20 as a skip. It is, of course, Chelsea Carey. Chelsea Carey, of course. 42 of course. and 11 <clears throat> as a skip. So How? over 80% uh, winning. Yeah, there. bad mistake by me. I shouldn't have uh, should have got that one. Yeah, the worst record, uh, perhaps unsurprisingly, goes to Carrie Galusha. That's right. Uh, yeah. In her appearances. This is her 17th time at a Scotty's wow. as a skip, 39 and 95. Uh, a couple other ones who've been here a lot. Uh, Andrea Crawford, 38 and 46. Uh, Suzanne Burt, 56 and 63. So, you know, some yeah. pretty good records overall, uh, but a lot of wins and a lot of experience here. So let's start with Pool B. Okay. We'll talk about Rachel Holman. She is the top-ranked team in this pool, winning Ontario pretty easily. The final was a little closer than you might have expected. But overall, I think this is a team, Scott, that if they don't make the playoffs, let's not even talk about championship pool with them, if they don't make the playoffs – That'll be surprising, even in this field. Oh, yeah, big time. These, this is a lock for the championship pool. I said it here. You know, come at me. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, they, they've, you know, experienced some tough tough games this, this year. Coming off a summer in which uh, two babies joined the team. Yep. But, I mean, Rachel Holman, uh, one of the best players in the world, You've got to you got to give them a pretty good shot here. Do you have Sean uh, any anything that looks like it could be in the way of Team Holman? No, the you know the thing that we've talked about with them in the past is that they have been disinterested seemingly in some events. Yeah, the Scotties has never been one of those. Right, they've always shown up and been really good at the Scotties. Uh, they've made the playoffs every time that they've been here. Uh, fifth appearance for Rachel Holman. Uh, or excuse me, um, not the fifth appearance. Um, her uh, 
obviously seventh appearance, but they've always made the playoffs here. Yes. Uh, you know, they always play well. They always, you know, even when they struggle, they can pull out games. They can, they're, they're just good. They're just straight up they're good. Just really, right? really good. And, and as somebody like watching them in the Ontario final, yeah, it was a close game, but I never thought they were going to lose. Right. Right. And so I think they do that a lot. We've talked about it, that they'll sometimes let teams hang around a little longer than they should. Yep. Uh, but then it sort of makes it all the more impressive when they, you know, put the neck, foot on the neck and and really finish teams off. So, uh, I I expect them to be pretty focused going into this event, uh, knowing how much it means to them, mm-hmm. and they're definitely one of the favorites. Yeah, and I think the pools broke out well for them. Right? Yeah, pool A is really good. Uh, pool Pool B is good too, but uh, not as competitive, I don't think, for those spots in the championship pool. So it broke out really well for them. And even the teams, a couple of the teams, which we'll talk about, that can be competitive, I don't think are at the the Rachel Holman level by any means. So uh, they they should have, they should come out of that championship pool, I would say at worst six and one, I would think. Uh, I'd be surprised if they come out of that five and two. So uh, you're looking at them coming into that championship pool probably already in first or second place overall. So should be in a strong position for them. Yeah, yeah. And I said to you I was going to pick out a few uh, things for each team from the media guide. Yeah. Well, one thing. So one of the things that, that I noticed is Cheryl Kreviazic will be their alternate. She, of course, played as their alternate with them the year they won the world championship in 2017, I believe. Uh, and fun fact, we played against Cheryl Kreviazic in the Gordy Perry Spiel and beat them. Yes, we did. A draw to the button, so I say I, I've beaten a world champion. Yeah, you have. Uh, so good on, uh, good on us. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, that was an interesting game, which has fueled a, a feud for a long time. Um, but yes, we were able to pull that game out in a draw to the button at like one in the morning at the Gordy Perry Spiel. It's the greatest moment of my <laughs> curling career. Uh, so we'll move on. Next, uh, The next ranked team in this pool will be whoever wins that wild card game. That's right. You know, As we said, we give the, the edge to uh, Tracy Fleury. One other note here, Scott, on that game, which I think is just is quite interesting. Jennifer Jones, despite the struggles in close games this season, has been very good yeah. in extra ends, 7-0. 7-0. hasn't lost the extra end. So yeah. that's just another thing to keep track of. So if, if Jennifer Jones makes it through... That'll be fun. Tracy Fleury makes it through. That'll also be yeah, fun. We'll have um, fun. Yeah. So uh, wild card is the set will be the second ranked team. Next up is I, I was a little surprised that they were ranked this high in the pool. It's Corinne Brown and the team from British Columbia, who 2013 Canadian Junior Champions when she was like 15 years old, 14, 15 years old, because yeah. she got back again uh, a few more times, uh, and now making that transition to the women's game, beat uh, Team Wark in the final there in BC. Very impressive comeback after she mm-hmm. gave up a big uh, three, I believe, in the eighth, eighth or ninth end. end. Yeah. And was able to to come back, win that game in an extra end. First appearance at the Scotties for Corinne Brown. Yeah, it's it, you're right. It, it does seem a little bit high, but they do play a lot on that BC tour. Yep. And they're able to, to churn points there. Uh, the caliber is not as high as at the Grand Slam level, but it's still a very high caliber uh, tour there. They've played in a couple events on the West Coast, I think. Uh, not just the West Coast, Western uh, Prairies yep. as well. I, I, it's sort of weird that she won the juniors uh, so long ago. And 
kept going back and yet wasn't able to break through another time, right? Because yeah. as you mentioned, she won it when she was young, 15 or 16 or uh, something like that. And then uh, the, the team, though, has been together so long, I don't expect any issues there. The lights might be a little bit bright for them the first couple days. We'll see. Uh, I don't have their schedule in front of me. I don't know who they're playing those first couple draws, but it'll be important for them to be able to overcome that and get some wins under their belt and gain some momentum. We saw this happen last year with Sarah Work's team, right? Yeah. They got some early wins and were able to make it into the championship pool uh, having having uh, gotten sort of the, the nerves out of the way. Yeah, I, what, what's interesting, though, is after that 2013 national championship, she struggles at the world championship goes three and six in her subsequent two times at the canadian juniors wins a bronze in 2015 and then misses the playoffs in Mm -hmm. 2017 so in terms of the results you're not going to win the national championship every time you go to a national championship but not meeting perhaps the expectations in subsequent years for her and what she might expect and now making this transition into the women's game, you you hope that between them and Team Wark that we have some strong women's teams in BC mm-hmm. to uh, you know help increase what British Columbia women's curling has been because we've seen some not great results from BC and the Scotties over the past few years. So you know hopefully that this is a chance for them to as you say get their legs under them. And I wonder. It might be an unfair comparison, but with Brandon Botcher, the first time he went to the Briar, really struggled that week. I think yep. they went four and seven or three and eight. They had, they had a tough week, mm-hmm. but it was a great growing chance for them. They, they learned what it was all about. And I, I think the thing that a lot of teams talk about when they talk about that first time at a Briar or a yeah. Scotty's, it's not just the games. It's everything that goes along with it. You know, at a regular spiel or even a Grand Slam, you don't have the same media around right you don't yep. have the, the even though it's five or ten minutes after the game that the skip has to go do you don't necessarily account for that you're not used to that mm-hmm. you don't have up closes at yep. the other events you don't have autograph sessions you don't have even if you're just walking around the concourse of the building the same level of people wanting to talk to you that's right, right? that attention is difficult to get used to and even though you've played in some national events and international events before this is a different level of it so sure. A lot of the skips have talked about those sorts of things, getting used to that. So Corinne Brown, very talented team in this pool. I give them a better chance to get to the championship round than I would in pool A. But I think it's going to be a struggle for them to just get their feet under them. Sure. I, I, I'd agree with you. They In this pool, uh, will likely be contending for that fourth berth in the championship pool. Yeah. Uh, I think they're good enough to do it. But as you said, in, if they were in Pool A, boy, it would be a, a bit of a, a tougher situation for them. Yeah, but there's so much experience in this pool. Yeah. Right? That's yeah. the thing. Right? So there's teams that are rated lower, but... Have been there 800 times. Yeah, so uh, they might have to learn a lesson. My uh, fun fact about this team, Sean, I, yeah. have, I have two. Okay. So the first one is that the, the third, Aaron Pincott, yep. uh, lists in the media guide her partner as Matt Dunstone. Yes. Uh, I didn't know that. No. And uh, Desiree Haas, the second, uh, lists her partner as Tyler Tardy. Yeah. So a little bit of BC curling royalty there together. And last one, uh, their fifth alternate. I'm interested in alternates. I think it's kind of cool who you decide yeah. to bring. I agree. Uh, they brought Daylene Pewerchuk, uh, formerly Daylene Sivertson, who 
uh, I believe played in some ju- BC, represented BC at the juniors. Okay. I guess I could look at the media guide. Yeah, she's played in three junior uh, national championships as the skip. As the skip. And she played second for Kelly Scott at the Scotties in 2012. Yes, after they had their uh, switch up. Yes, and uh, she also played against me in the Victoria uh, Cash League. Well, why isn't that listed here in the uh, media guide? I know, right? Uh, I I believe she beat us every time we played her. (laughs) So, you know, fun fact. Yeah, so uh, so next up, one of the teams with a lot of experience, uh, certainly at the skip level, Suzanne Burt is back at the Scotties for her 11th appearance, Scott. Uh, it seems like a very long time ago, that's because it was a very long time ago, her rookie appearance where yeah. she goes 11, uh, or sorry, 10 and 1, I think, in the round robin, and makes it to the final, loses that final, and since then hasn't had the same type of results. Last year, though, came out sort of with an F.U. attitude mm-hmm. of I'm playing everything <laughs> in the house, no hits at all, uh, lots of points scored, set a record for the most points in a game at a Scotty's, and it's a team that I think is going to be a lot of fun to watch over the week. Yeah, uh, they're always fun to watch. Putting rocks in play, the, uh, the two-time Canadian junior champion, yep. Uh, will be joined also by, I think Caitlin Laws was a two-time junior champion, uh, if that team is successful in making it into the field. Uh, Lots of experience for Suzanne as a skip. This team has been together uh, a little while now, too, with Marie Christensen playing uh, playing third there. Yeah, this is her third appearance. Yeah, and I... So a few years now under their belt, like you said, they, they were scoring so many points last year. That was sort of the talk of the event, right? Yep. Uh, oh, boy, uh, we got a real barn burner, Suzanne uh, Burt in there. And you say she'd play no hits, and you're, you're sort of right in that she would get things all junked up and then would find a way to make, like, an amazing hit through a hole yeah. <laughs> or, like, a, a board weight come around hit and, and end up with, like, oh, now there's five of my rocks in play. Huh. Yeah. Deal with that other team. <laughs> So uh, pretty great there. I'm going to mention their fun fact. Uh, lead Michelle McQuaid. Yeah. Uh, sister of NHL defenseman Adam McQuaid. There you go. And uh, also I, I played uh, with her and against her at the Royal Montreal Curling Club. Jeez, again, not in the media guys. I can't believe it, right? Very shocking. Yeah. Do you have anything more to say about Suzanne? Uh, just the only thing about this team, which will be, uh, it may be interesting to see, because, you know, a few years ago in Montreal, we saw if, you know, sometimes it, like a flu bug can go around these things. They don't have an alternate. They didn't bring one That's with right. them. So hopefully it's not needed. Usually it's not an issue, but mm-hmm. just every so often well, it could come up. Out in Saskatchewan, it's nice and dry, right? So everything dies. I don't know. Science? Something. You're a scientist. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So uh, we'll see what happens here with Suzanne Burt. But just, yeah, always a lot of fun to see her at, uh, at a Scotty's. Yeah. A championship pool, I think it's realistic for her to expect to contend for that ch- championship pool. Yeah, I agree. She made it in last year, yeah. finishes at 6-5, and five and misses the playoffs. So let's move on to another team with tons of experience. Carrie Galusha is back for the 17th time at a Scotty's Tournament of Hearts. A couple of those were as alternates, but still, you're there. It counts. It does count. And this team, Scott, I would say in a a normal year, you would think of them as a team that would threaten to make the playoffs. This year, or not the playoffs, excuse me, the championship championship pool. pool. 
this year it's going to be a little harder because this field is so good. Yeah, you're right. You're right. We we did talk a lot, n- not last year as much, but the year before about how you know her expectations were there to make the championship pool. Uh, they had played a lot uh, a couple of years ago in preparation for getting there. Yep. She has a younger team now uh, recruiting Sarah Colton to come and play with her. And they haven't been able to break through yet. No. And one interesting thing about this team that maybe a lot of people don't know is that Joanne Rizzo joined the team to play second as their import from Ontario. And uh, in the weeks leading up to the Scotties, they've decided to make a switch. I think they did it at their territorial playdowns where Carrie is going to throw second stones and yeah. Joanne is going to throw fourth. Which seems nuts, right? Because Kerry Galusha is such a great shot maker. Great. Yeah. You ask the Cooies, right? If you ask the family who's the best shot maker, they, they all say, say it's Kerry. They all say Kerry. So a little bit of a surprise that uh, this would happen. Personally, I wouldn't be shocked if we saw them switch back during the event, uh, depending how things go. But Joanne Rizzo, a very experienced curler. Yes. And what did you, you told me something about her before. But, yeah, but very interesting about Joanne Rizzo. She played with Sherry Madoff forever. She's played in two Olympic trial events. This is her first Scotties. Her first Scotties. Which is really hard to believe uh, for someone who's been around so much on a very prominent team. Yeah, and, and she skipped her own team uh, as well before. That was always uh, in the, like, the playoff contention at the Ontario level. Yep. Uh, very, very strong player. Yeah, uh, she skipped into senior national championships. That's right. That's as right. As Team Ontario, but this will be her first time at a Scotties. Now, whereas someone like Corinne Brown, though, in that team, you would say maybe the experience matters. Joanne Rizzo, despite it being her first Scotties, I have the utmost confidence that she will not be, you know, taken aback by any of the goings on. Yeah. At a Scotties, will likely not shy away from the moment. No. So. Uh, good for her. Uh, the oldest player in the field, I believe, at uh, age 56. And as you mentioned, has some success in the senior level. Uh, great shot maker. Yep. Also appeared in the uh, Women of Curling calendar last year. There you go. Uh, alongside her, uh, her, her dog. So a uh, lot of experience on this team. And I think she, br- she brings like a, a level of, I want to say legitimacy, which sounds dumb when you're talking about Carrie Galushin, right? But... But she's a really great player that's established and can come into the team and sort of maybe give a little balance to the team. Uh, Shauna Barber's back uh, throwing lead stones. And as I mentioned, Sarah Colton will be the, the third. Yep. Uh, but will be sweeping. So they, they keep the young uh, sweeping power there. Uh, Shauna's a great sweeper, as has been for a long time. So uh, that's uh, I, I think this team should expect to, to challenge for that championship. Program. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and I, I agree that it's a smart decision to have Sarah Colton sweep uh, as well. You know, within this configuration, have the young person do it. it. It really just makes a lot of sense. So hopefully for them that they have a good week and can make it into that championship pool uh, for Gary Galush. Of course, a couple times. She, when they used to have that relegation round, a couple of times she didn't make it out of that relegation round, was visibly uh, and very vocally upset with that system. Mm-hmm. So hopefully now that uh, she can get through, break through to that championship round. Uh, next up on the rankings is Nova Scotia. Marianne Arsenault beats Colleen Jones in the Nova Scotia final. The four, the, the core four of the Jones teams played together 
in the Nova Scotia seniors lost out on draw to the button on the draw shot challenge. Uh, they missed out. They were tied for second place uh, in a three-way tie for second and got oh. eliminated on draw, so- draw shot challenge. Colleen Jones on Twitter talked about how she understands it, but she, but loves, she loves a good tiebreaker. Oh, so, yeah. uh, so, and that'll be it for them, uh, as Marianne right. Arsenault has announced that she's going to move out to the left coast. Uh, but a lot of fun things on this team. Not only do we have Marianne Arsenault, had the great run two years ago in Penticton, where mm-hmm. she had the great run through, makes the playoffs, but playing with her niece That's right. as the lead, uh, Emma Logan, mm-hmm. and Colleen Jones, if anyone missed it, tweeted out a really cool story, which I did not know about Emma Logan, Scott. Yeah, Sean, I was getting a little misty, to be honest. <laughs> it, it was such a great story. Uh, Emma... I explained in the piece she lost her hearing before she can remember when she was a baby because of meningitis. Uh, a friend of mine, her daughter, had the same thing. And they've devised a way to for her to be able to communicate still with the team using a combination of duct tape on, a, on the glove to say, like, green go, sweep, and red stop. And as well, a microphone that's been approved... Uh, by Curling Canada to be used where it gets uh, transmitted right into her co- cochlear implant. I always have trouble with that word. Uh, and and she's able to then hear. And the interesting thing is you'd think they would put it on the skip, but no, they've given it to her the third so that she can uh, communicate while sweeping. Right. Right, because she seemed to be missing out on some of those things. So really great story. Uh, the first hearing-impaired participant at, at uh, Scotty's Tournament of Hearts and... Uh, you know, really, it sort of makes me cheer for this team a bit more. Yeah, it's a, it's a terrific story, and and we've played Scott in a bond spiel against a team that is entirely hearing impaired. That's right. Yeah, and it, it's interesting to see the communication things that are put in place, mm-hmm. and you know, when you go out just as a non-hearing impaired individual, you know, you can go out with people you don't know and play and it takes a while to figure out the verbiage that people use but this is a whole another level that you have to think about and it's really interesting to see it's really cool it's a great story uh that that they get to play together uh and yeah i agree it's it's you're gonna root for them they're gonna get some tv time too should so you, you will be able to see all the things in place as they play in their game i will say that by Sunday afternoon, we have a Vic video essay about it uh, as one of the coming back from commercial things. Yeah. It seems like something that uh, that they would do. But just overall, a terrific story. But terrific stories don't get you wins at a Scotty's. That's right. What gets you wins is a Skip who has five Scotty's championships <laughs> and is really, really good. Yeah. So I, I think, you know, compared to the other pool, you know, this pool has Holman, has whoever the wildcard team is. You'd expect those two teams to make it through. Sure. And then we have BCPI, Northwest Territories, and now Nova Scotia. Those four teams are going to, I, I'd be I surprised think, if yeah. the other two yeah. will be competing for the other two spots. And I got to say, just thinking about it, I would give the edge to Nova Scotia because Marianne Arsenault, she can't she can't throw the high hard one the way she used to, mm-hmm. but that soft touch, she tends to be able to draw four foot 
just with her eyes closed. Yeah. Uh, she can get the pin when she needs to as well. I think that's a huge advantage for this team. I really like their chances of making it through to that championship pool. Yeah, and I, I tend to agree with you, Sean. Uh, I think Marianne's advantage of all that experience and that experience, not just experience, but experience winning, Yeah, I think probably makes them the favorite uh, in this. So with three other teams uh, in the mix, it's going to be the head-to-head that's really important. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it's going to be that game against – those games against Corinne Brown, Suzanne Burt, and – Carrie Galusha. Carrie Galusha. That will probably decide it. And then as the next two teams we'll talk about, you you got to take care of those games. you got to take care of business, yeah. uh, Of those games that – of the teams that are ranked below you. So one of those teams. Another great story, Lori Eddy is coming back. uh, First appearance at a Scotty's since losing the final as (laughs) – that sounds – but, I mean, I've never played in a final of a oh, national no. championship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's better than I could do. Sure. Uh, in 1997, playing with Allison Goring, she is girl one or girl two. I always forget which is which. Uh, I on, think girl one. On two girls in a game. Yeah. She is coming in to skip the team from Nunavut, from the Iqaluit Curling Club. Mildly fun fact, one of the four players lives in Iqaluit. <laughs> uh, two of them are at school in Ontario. That's uh, right. Who are from Iqaluit. But uh, a team, Scott, that we saw last year, Nunavut got their first win at yep. Escotties, yep. Uh, which was a lot of fun. This year, I think we have low expectations for the team just because of past experience with Nunavut. But with someone like Lori Eddy, who has a pretty good pedigree, I don't think you can dismiss the team out of hand. I mean, no, you can't dismiss them out of hand. And the, the other great, great, uh, the, the other player with the pedigree is Sadie Pinkston, who's going to throw third rocks. Uh, she has represented Nunavut at, I think, 13 different Canadian events, be they junior or Canada Winter Games or whatever. Yeah. Uh, so and and she was on the team last year. Yes, that uh, that got that first win under their belt. She's the future of Nunavut curling. I don't yeah. think anybody would dispute that. And bringing in somebody like Lori, who has a coaching background as well uh, as a playing background, to be able to you know help this team uh, adjust to the future because Lori is not going to play with them forever, right? No, and. But she's going to be able to help guide them into what to expect from an event like this. Uh, you know, this is what you should be thinking about when, uh, tr- you know, like between draws, this is the kind of stuff you do. So uh, uh, pretty exciting for her as well, you know, to get to go back after yep. so many years. And every time that you talk to a, a player who's been in the Scotties, they sort of talk about getting that, that jewelry or you know, getting their provincial jacket and how it, it brings a lot of pride. And I think it's really exciting for, for Lori to get that. Uh, her occupation on the media guide is podcast host. There you go. So something for us to aspire to, John. To aspire to, yeah, when we make it to the briar. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I think the, the point you make with uh, Sadie Pinkston is, is really well taken. Eight appearances at the juniors, including this year, yeah. out there in Langley, where she won two games yep. at, in that field. So, you know, she's got shut out a couple times out of those eight, but, you know, eight times as a skip at the juniors. Hopefully, I mean, she's a student right now uh, at the University of Ottawa, you know, go GGs. But 
hopefully that uh, there's an opportunity for her to continue because uh, she has all this great experience at the junior level to whether she moves back to Callaway or not to you know, push forward with Nunavut Curling and, and make it so that the they can put forth some competitive teams. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now, the final team in this pool, a rookie squad oh, from... Did I give a fun fact? For oh, no, you didn't. Sorry, give us the fun fact. I thought the fun fact was that none of them actually live... Live there? <laughs> in a cow. There, I, I, again. Well, to be honest, my fun fact was that Sadie Pinkston has represented... This will okay. be their, her 13th uh, yes. time representing Nunavut, so... Uh, that was my fun fact. Sorry to interrupt. That's okay. The final team here, uh, a rookie squad for Quebec, Naomi Vero, is skipping this team. She's played in the Canadian Mixed twice as a third in 2009-2010. That is her only appearance at any national championship. I think the lightest resume of any of the players in the field here for Naomi and overall, Scott, when you're looking at it, like none of the teams or none of the players on this team have played in the Scotties before. You just don't know what to expect at all from them because of that. Yeah, it's hard to uh, hard to know what to expect. Uh, maybe some of the things that we talked about with Corinne Brown will apply to this team as well. Uh, all quite young. I'm yeah, I'm a little surprised. Sorry by. Uh, by the age oh I was looking at years curled but uh, still a, quite a young team and you know well, young they're all sort of in that late 20 early 30 range yeah to me that's young right <laughs> um, I, I think uh, yeah what they can hope for is to gain some experience have fun uh, I, I doubt that they'll be able to make it out of this pool uh, given surprised. what we've talked about yep. but uh, gain some experience uh, have fun and you know, get a taste of what you're going to be fighting for for the next few years. Yeah, I get the sense that it's a little Mike Fournier-esque, right? They, they've yeah. been around, they play, they play it, you know, I'm sure at their club level, they're in the, the top level of uh, the, the leagues at their respective clubs, go into the provincials, few, do a few cash deals each year, make it into this. So, you know, it'll be a lot of fun for them, I'm sure. It'll be a great experience. You know, one of those dream come true bucket list things if you're a, yeah. a, a competitive curler that uh, you get to go do, and hopefully they have a, a, a really fun week. But, yeah, expectations in terms of championship pool playoffs certainly would be low uh, and be a fun story, though, if they go on a run. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And, like, the, the second Marie-Pierre is uh, listed as a family doctor. So I'm sure she doesn't have a lot of time to be crisscrossing the country uh, right. on the curling tour. Yeah, you got to be saving lives. Yeah, my fun fact for this team is uh, another person I know or have <laughs> met. I, I don't would say I wouldn't say I know her, but uh, Lana Rutledge played uh, one year with Sean Canavan in Quebec, and uh, I played with Sean in the mixed doubles uh, there in Quebec, and played for a while with her at the the club level. So. There you go. That's my, my uh, personal connection. Yeah, I, you said all of your fun facts would come out of the media guide. I don't know how many of the fun, like none of them have. They've all been like, I know this person. Those well, really it's come from me looking at the media <laughs> guide and being, being like, oh, Where I know am I? Where's my name? <laughs> uh, so that's the eight teams from Pool B. Let's move over to Pool A. This is absolutely loaded. This is going to be a lot of fun uh, to watch Pool A play out. Highest ranked team in the field overall is Kerry Anderson from Manitoba. They, of course, win that uh, Manitoba championship. Third appearance for Kerry Anderson 
in this event, made it to the finals as Team Wildcard a couple years ago, losing to Jennifer Jones at a time when she couldn't beat Jennifer Jones at all. That, of mm-hmm. course, has flipped in the past two years, and now yeah. she can't lose to Jennifer Jones. That's right. But a team, Scott, that we saw the big shakeup, right? When she lost to Jennifer Jones, it was not this team. Yeah. Uh, the big shakeup, the four skips come together with Val. You have a lot of experience mm-hmm. out of Scotty's with Val, uh, but this will be her first time as a third in this event. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. I, I Pool A is loaded, but I think that they're the favorite in the pool. That's interesting because, like, based on Pool A, I could see them not making the championship round, which would be pretty insane, right? Yeah. Uh, given the the competition they face to get there, I think the key player for them is always going to be Val Sweeting. Yeah, I agree. Uh, if Val is playing really well, she can help set set it up for Carrie to where Carrie can throw the shots that she likes to throw. Uh, if you see her struggling with ice and weight, I think, a bit at the beginning of the event, that could spell trouble to me. It could, yeah. I, I, mean, I, but, I mean, with Carrie, I think she still, she's gotten better the past couple of years, but she's still going to default to the hit. And at these events you need to be able to have that uh, the draw weight in your back pocket we've seen this team go through some struggles they came out of the gate last year just guns ablazing yeah. winning everything yeah you know you're not going to sustain that forever uh you know but the the pace has certainly slowed down they haven't had the same level of results recently but what is great about the team and the dynamic what they've seemed to have figured out is with the old team, Carrie would get a little frustrated. I'm sure part of that was just the, the overall interpersonal dynamics between yep. the four of them. Val keeps it really light, and yeah. she's laughing a lot. She's having a lot of fun out there, and, and I think she's the key player not only for the shot making and putting Carrie in good position, but for that that disposition mm-hmm. and keeping things light, keeping things relaxed, making sure that everyone's having a good out, good time out there on the ice yeah. and taking the tension off Carrie Anderson so that when there is a big shot, she's in a better headspace to make it. Yeah, absolutely. She she also is a really good conduit between the front end and yeah. and uh, the skip, which, as we've talked about in previous podcasts, that is really important for the third to be able to do that. So uh, I not much else to say on this team other than they're really good. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll talk more about some of the other teams and, and you know, I'll, I'll point out where I think I think they could trip up. Okay. But uh, as far as my fun fact, this one will come from the media guide because I have not okay. met any of these players. But there is one person as part of the team that has been to an Olympic Winter Games. Okay. That would be their coach. Their coach, Patty Vutrick, of course, uh, yes. wife of Hans Vutrick, the legendary ice maker, uh, represented Canada as an alternate at the 88 Olympics. Yes. Uh, when it was a demonstration sport, and uh, Linda Moore was skipping and won a gold medal for Canada. There you go. So, so that is a fun fact. Right? I like that one. Thanks, man. Uh, next up uh, in the rankings, the defending champion, Chelsea Carey, Team Canada, of course, from Alberta. Uh, did not, of course, have to play out of Alberta this year, but they will be wearing the Maple Leaf in 2020. As we talked about at the top, she has a great record at the Scotties. Like, yeah. She does not mess around. She just goes to the Scotties and wins. Two-time champion at this event. 
has struggled at the two world championships mm -hmm. that she's been to. But when it comes to the Scotties, this is when Chelsea Carey seems to be playing her best, just you know, eye test wise, and certainly the record holds up that. If you want to see the best Chelsea Carey, go to watch her at a Scotties. Yeah, yeah. Of course, she struggled for a long time trying to get to the Scotties, what yes. with you know Jennifer Jones being in the way. And then I think uh, Kathy Overton Clapham had a team and, and beat her. And so, you know, a, a tough province to get out of Manitoba. Now that she's in Alberta, another tough province to get out of. But, but she seems to make the most of those opportunities when she gets there. And I think she's talked about this in some uh, interviews she's done, that peaking at the right time for their team involves peaking at the Scotties. Yeah. Which could explain some of her struggles at the Worlds. Yeah, uh, I think so. Right? Think, uh, yeah, absolutely. But as a team, since they've known they've been able to, they're, they're going to this event, they've been able to design their season around trying to do that again and peak at the right time. Uh, Sarah Wilkes is very key to this team, I think. Uh, her times at the Scotties was when she won and then uh, she played second for Shannon Clybrink in 2017 and, and wasn't able to win. But uh, if she's there and playing well, there's no reason this team can't repeat. Yeah, I agree. And, and I think what we've seen with Chelsea Carey is she has a very systematic approach to how she wants to prepare for over the course of the season. Mm -hmm. When the events are the biggest, that's when she wants to be at her best, and she has designed her schedule to be able to do that. That's why she's been so good at the Scotties. She did the same thing for the trials, uh, the Olympic trials in 2017. She went eight and one in that event. Yeah. Again, another like that's the hardest event yeah. in the world, and she comes out and basically dominates it until the final. Mm -hmm. And when Chelsea Carey has that attention to detail, that focus. She's almost unbeatable. So the fact that, you know, the Continental Cup, where she didn't quite have the draw weight the way you might expect it, mm -hmm. or if she's struggling at the slams, I don't take that seriously in terms of using it as a predictor for what's going to happen at the Scotties. Yeah, as, as we've seen, you can't. You no. can't, right? So, yeah, I, 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 you know, based on everything else, I, I would put Carrie Anderson maybe a notch ahead of them. But given her history at the Scotties, it's it's – like one A and like or one and like one A, it's not like it's really close. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I get you what you mean. All right. So let's move on to Alberta. The team actually representing Alberta this time. It is going to be Laura Walker, rookie skip here at Crocker Walker, making her debut at the Scotties Tournament of Hearts. A lot of fun to see this team. Uh, a great reaction when they won the Alberta final, mm -hmm. and the great sort of soundbite that was caught saying thanks for not quitting yeah uh so rookie team here highly ranked played a lot she got a lot of growth out of last season it really seemed like playing with the the old timers <laughs> if you will oh, you know boy. kathy overton clapham uh laney peters and uh Someone else was on that Lori Olson-Johns. Lori Olson-Johns. Uh, she got just tons of experience from yeah. and, and benefited from the experience of those. Just some of the, like, Kathy Orton-Clapham, all-time great player. Oh, absolutely. So, uh, you know, really, really coming to fruition this year. First time at a Scotties, but Scott, you can't discount them even in this loaded pool. No, uh, absolutely. She's got uh, Kate Cameron with her too. Uh, went to the finals there as Team Manitoba. 
with Michelle Englot uh, and then came back as Team Canada after they finished second, but Holman couldn't come. Yep. So, you know, she's got some experience there. Uh, Taylor McDonald, uh, Tamac as they call her, <laughs> uh, tons of experience with her, uh, junior level, uh, mixed doubles even. Uh, so, and, and then Nadine Scotland, former skip too, in her own yep. right, uh, out of Alberta. So a really strong team here. Laura Walker last year when she was playing with, uh, I'll call them the more experienced players, <laughs> uh, it, it seemed like they would show up at slams and somehow make the playoffs every yeah. time, right? Yeah. Maybe they'd go 2-2 two and two and have to come through a tie break, 3-1. and one, uh, We didn't see them get to any finals or, or win any events, but they were always in the mix. And I think a lot of that has to do with Laura Walker's ability to make shots. We've seen her do it uh, at the mixed doubles level. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think her game translates really nice to the Scotties. Uh, this is a team that I'm advancing to the championship pool, even with a rookie skip. Yeah, I think that's fair. Again, nothing's really going to sort of catch her unaware. I think you don't want to make too much of it, but being around Jeff Walker and as a result being around Brad Gushu and seeing the work that that team puts into not so not only with with the people she played with last year mm-hmm. but just seeing that somebody like Brad Gushu who has been able to sustain at a high level for so long understanding what goes into that mm-hmm. just being able to observe it I think would be helpful to her you know she's been to even though she hasn't played in the Scotties you know enough national championships certainly would have been at a couple of Briars to see and just see what goes on behind the scenes sure. with the players yeah, yeah, so yeah. she's not going to be surprised by any of the auxiliary stuff that right. goes around these events so yeah certainly uh, high expectations for Laura Walker and Team Alberta all right I will uh, give my fun fact for them just after I give my fun fact for Team Canada which I forgot and that's that uh, Dana Ferguson of course is the cousin of one of our cousin's uh, husbands yes. so a uh, very slight familial uh, connection there very slight uh, <laughs> very, very, slight. very slight it's through marriage yeah good enough yeah and second the, cousin married Dana Ferguson's cousin, cousin. yeah yeah uh, whatever and they I the, don't think uh, that I don't think that means we can like get her number and call her and be like hey do you want to be on the show uh, I mean, it, we probably could. <laughs> so the fun fact for uh, Alberta, they've got uh, Brian Chick working for them as yeah. their coach this year. Uh, they've t- I think uh, Laura's talked a little bit about how uh, he's helped them, but uh, he was a prior guest on our podcast, so there's a, there's a connection. Yes, uh, yeah, he was, uh, wrote the book Written in Stone, A Modern History of Curling. So yeah, he's been on the show before uh, so that'll be a lot of fun to have brian shook around and uh, mm-hmm. see his he's got a, his coaching resume is pretty good i didn't know he coached as much as he did uh, yeah. but certainly uh, a lot of experience there which again will be helpful he also coached me at uh, trillium curling camp way back in probably 2000 all right so there you go i was concerned you hadn't brought it back to yourself <laughs> in about eight minutes so i was a little concerned there uh, that's fun <laughs> that's fun stuff uh, next up on the rankings is the home team Robin Silvernagel, the place is going to be loud. It's going to be packed on the Saskatchewan draws. I saw that Saskatchewan gets a night game each of Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I I saw that on Twitter. So uh, I don't know if that's accurate. I just saw it on Twitter. Uh, But when they play, it's going to be loud. It's not going to be St. John's Gushu games loud, but it will be just a notch below that uh you know i had the pleasure of going to the scotties when it was in 
Regina way back in 2008. And that team was skipped by Michelle Englott, the Saskatchewan team. And it was a morning draw when one of the times I was there and she was playing. And even in the morning, people were up going crazy whenever she was making shots. And it was, it was an emotional week too. She, her father had passed a couple days before the events. Uh, So that, you know, there was even if it's possible, even more More. support for the home team than there would have been otherwise. But uh, there's going to be, a lot of, of cheering, a lot of noise for Team Saskatchewan. And based on what happened last year, where they win the bronze medal, I think some expectations. Yeah, I think there's some expectations for this team for sure. They, uh, when, when they won Saskatchewan, Robin talked about, oh boy, the, the amount of support we got for the Grand Slam that we played in, that was in Saskatchewan, uh, was incredible. And she, could, she said, I can only just imagine what it's going to be for, uh, for Scotty's, a hometown province scotties uh the pressure might might uh, be too much i i don't know uh, there are some expectations on this team this is one of the teams that i could i could see them missing right i could see them making and i could see them missing that that championship pool uh a lot's going to depend on stephanie lawton we've yeah. talked a lot about how important she is not only to making shots but also to uh getting robin in the right mind space you know, ready to throw. Uh, she's she's the key cog on the team, and I, I think I, I think that's pretty clear. Yeah, no question. This is very much a Stephanie Lawton type sort of focus here. That that she is the person who is going to really determine a lot of the team's success. Now, she does have the benefit, Stephanie Lawton, of back in 2015, she was skipping Team Saskatchewan when the Scotties was in Moose Jaw. Yeah. So she has that experience of being the home team in Saskatchewan, curling crazy province. Yeah. So that hopefully uh, will benefit the team, that they won't get too high when the crowd is going crazy for right. them, uh, that she can keep that uh, that calm demeanor that she tends to have. The other thing, though, that's... that's you know, a, a little maybe concerning is the results this year for Stephanie Lawton have not, or sorry, for Robin Silvernagle have not been what we maybe would have hoped for coming off that Scotties last sure. year. Back at the Canada Cup, only went one in five, struggled there. So who knows? And, and in this pool, it could be tough. Yeah, maybe a bit of a sophomore slump. Uh, who knows? But you're right, it is a tough pool. Uh, how they get out of the gate is going to matter a lot. Yeah, I believe their first game is against uh, Nova Scotia. No, no, it's against New Brunswick. New Brunswick, right? Yeah. Uh, who we'll talk about in a minute. Yeah. So uh, that could be a game for maybe the last place uh, in the championship pool. Yeah. Right away. So uh, we'll see what happens. My my fun fact for this team, uh, the fifth, is Stephanie Schmidt, who played I. I want to say in 2014, played on the t- Team Saskatchewan that went to the the Scotties. And I have a, a gif that I made of her. She made a, a really great shot and then did sort of a woot woot, uh, <laughs> hands up in the air kind of motion uh, I, that I thought was really funny. So uh, there's, there's a gif out there of her doing that. Hopefully we don't see her in any games because... That might mean they're getting That's pulled not a good out. Sign, yeah. But uh, some fun experience on the bench there. 
Yeah, so uh, so let's move on. Next team, Krista McCarvel, I think uh, a favorite of the show. Uh, we love when Krista McCarvel's there representing Northern Ontario. This will be her eighth time at a Scotties. She's made it to a final before. She's had great success uh, at the Olympic trials as, as well when she's been there. A team that doesn't play a lot on tour for a variety of reasons. I, I think the, the leading one is family considerations. They'd rather do other things uh, and have other responsibilities that yep. they, they want to take care of. Which means that normally when they come to Escotties, they struggle the first day or two. Uh, they don't play on arena ice very frequently. The Northern Ontario Provincials usually is not played in an arena. So it takes them a while to get used to that again. But once they get used to it, it's hard to beat them. So this is a team where the format change, I think, hurts them with the pools because, again, they would yeah. usually take a loss or two early, which in this new format where you know four losses doesn't get you a playoff spot anymore. It used to get you something for sure. Not a guarantee anymore. Taking two losses early is really tough to, one, get in the championship pool, and then, two, to get into a playoff spot. Yeah, 100%. This, this is my favorite team. I'll say it. They're uh, really fun to watch. They're really good. Yeah. Uh, and they were super nice to me when I met them. So <laughs> uh, there you go. Uh, th- yeah, this is a tough pool for them to be in. And as you mentioned, like a couple of quick uh, early losses could be tough. They were playing Chelsea Carey in the first game uh, on Saturday afternoon. So we'll see, you know, how how they come to play in that game. Another factor for this team is that Sarah Potts, their their lead is not playing this year. Right. Uh, Rick Rick Lang announced on a podcast, I think, that uh, Sarah was having uh, their first grandchild, so they were pretty excited about that. And replacing her uh, is going to be... Who's replacing her? Jen oh, Gates. Jen Gates, right, yeah. who played second with them last year who when she was replacing Ashley Sippola who was out uh, on maternity leave as well. So maybe a bit of a different dynamic to the team. I found Sarah always uh, was able to like keep things a bit light, but also has such a good curling mind. Yeah. You know, uh, parents, Rick and Lorraine, uh, she grew up in, in curling. So uh, they might, they might feel her absence a little bit. I think uh, so. Uh, so uh, I, I'm rooting for this team hundred uh, percent. I, I can't see them going and not making the championship pool, you know? No, I, I agree. It'd be hard to see that happen. But again, in this pool, it's possible because the pool is so loaded. Yeah. Uh, but I do like that even though there is a lineup change, there is some continuity in the team. Yeah, for sure. That always for sort sure. of leads to some success. So, uh, so high expectations from us, at least, for Northern Ontario, Ontario and Krista McCarville. Your fun fact, Scott. My fun fact is that uh, Kendra Lilly is the only one that doesn't live in Thunder Bay. Ah, where does so, she live? She lives in Sudbury. Uh, so she's still in the province. Well, now I'm lying because Jen Gates lives in Sudbury too. But the the full team, yeah, she is the only one that uh, doesn't doesn't live with them. So finds it a little more difficult to find time to practice. Right. And considering that she is so good at curling. <laughs> so good. Yeah. Okay, so next up on the, our rankings, or not our rankings, in the rankings in the pool is New Brunswick and Andrea Crawford. Her 10th, excuse me, ninth time at a Scotties. Uh, not always the greatest of results for Andrea Crawford. And a team that, again, this is similar to 
what I might say for Kerry Galusha, that in a normal year, I would think that they would have a chance to get into the championship pool. Mm-hmm. This year, this pool, I don't know, man. Like, I, 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 it's hard to see it. Yeah, it's really hard to see it, uh, which is unfortunate. It's always fun to watch uh, Andrea because she, again, similarly to Suzanne Burt, not afraid to put some rocks in play. No. Uh, she's been about 500 at the Scotties in her career. As you mentioned, there was uh, her record was about 30, six 38 games. and 46. Yes, yeah, six, eight games under 500. So when she gets there, she's usually five and six, uh, six and five, uh, a couple times a little bit worse than that. But uh, someone that's fun to watch play, and unfortunately, I think they sort of got pool screwed uh, as you say you know in, in survivor yeah somebody gets swapped swap and then kicked out they call, call it swap screwed yeah so i think they got a little bit unfortunate in the draw yeah if they're in pool b i think they have a much better chance of making it into the championship pool than they do in pool a yeah yeah absolutely uh your fun fact my fun fact about this team uh is that andrea crawford yeah works for the Canadian Forces Morale, Morale and Welfare Center. So she's Welfare a colleague. Services. Yeah, so uh, good, on, good on her working for DND. Uh, I believe she spent some time in Germany uh, while, while she wasn't playing that makes sense. for New Brunswick. So uh, good on. And maybe my favorite player in the field is Jill Babin. I like, okay. uh, I like Jill Babin watching right. her play. So my, good luck to them. Uh, my fun fact for them, first player I ever interviewed at a Scotties back in 2014. Was? Andrea Crawford. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. I thought there was uh, maybe another No, after a player. controversy at a game, the, the handle of one of the rocks didn't work. Oh, and yes, the officials, I remember that. Uh, threw it out anyway and said it was a hog line violation, even though it was demonstrated that the handle was not working. That's true, that's true. So uh, that was like, wrote a whole story about it. Cool. So, yeah, so that was a lot of fun. Uh, so next up in the rankings okay. is uh, UConn and the team of Haley Burney, her second appearance in a Scotty's first time as a skip for her, I'll just say, low expectations for them. It, you know, hopefully that they can win a game, but I don't think anyone going into this would look at them as a team that will challenge for the championship pool. Sean, I don't think I've heard of any of the players <laughs> on this team. Uh, to, to me, it's a bit similar to... I, I want to say it's similar to uh, the Quebec team, although this team is a bit older than that. Uh, but Chelsea Duncan, we saw her first when she played with Sarah Colton in 2014 yep. at Montreal. Uh, so she's sort of been to the Scotties what, three times before. This will be her fifth appearance, actually, fifth appearance. for Chelsea Duncan, and seven appearances at the juniors as well. Yeah, so a lot of uh, experience on this kind of stage. Uh, a really good thrower, a yep. uh, good shot maker. Um, I, I don't really know much about anybody else, to be honest. Yeah, uh, first time for the second or lead at any national championship. So, you know, no experience at the national level there. Hmm. Um, so it's, yeah, you, you don't really know what to expect. Yeah, and, and unlike what we saw with uh, the, the Nunavut team and the Northwest Territories uh, team, uh, these players all seem to live in Whitehorse. So yeah. they get the chance to play together. Um, our, our friend Megan lived in Whitehorse for a while, and yeah. so she could give us some input on the 
White Horse Curling Club situation. Yes. But uh, so uh, good that they all get to uh, get to live together, live together, like in the but, same but city. practice together, right? And, and that's something yeah. that you know the the Nunavut team wouldn't have that opportunity to practice together at the same right. uh, frequency that the Yukon team does. Now they're not playing each other, unfortunately. But yeah, you do wonder if that will early on give them an edge compared to some of the other teams. Yeah, and so that was my fun fact, that they all live in Whitehorse. All right, and uh, rounding out the field, Newfoundland and Labrador, Scott, it's skipped by a Curtis, but not the Curtis you might expect. No, it's uh, skipped by Erica Curtis. Yes, not Stacy Curtis, who has skipped the team, I would say, at least four or five times in a Scotties before. I, I think they're sisters-in-law. Yes, they That's are. right. Because it used to be, it was Stacy Devereaux, her That's first right. couple of parents, uh, married into the Curtis family. Now you have Erica Curtis and Julie Devereaux is on this team. That's so right. a lot of uh, familial relationships here for Newfoundland and Labrador on the women's side. Yeah, a real family affair. Uh, like some some experience for all these players at a previous Scotties. It's yeah. not their first rodeo. No. Uh, we've Erica seen used to play with Stacy. With Stacy, that's right. Uh, so, you know, we, we've seen them have some success. Uh, not, yeah, like not, around 500. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I, I think what they should aim to do is to win their game against uh, UConn for sure. Yep. Uh, and then the rest, who knows? They can, they can beat uh, New Brunswick, you know. They can? They can beat UConn. I don't know if they'll, you know, depending on schedule, maybe they can get McCarville early in the maybe early yeah. in the event. I don't yeah. know, but uh, it's going to be a tough sledding, I think, for Newfoundland and Labrador to make it to that pool or to yeah. the championship. Yeah, pool. to the championship pool for sure. So a fun fact about this team, Sean, Aaron Porter, redhead. Uh, hey. So we always like seeing uh, redheads out yeah. there on the ice. We're an endangered species. Exactly, exactly. So, uh, Sean, we're we're getting uh, pu- pushed out of here. Yeah, we're going to get pushed uh, out of here really soon. There's a, an event going on. You might hear the voices as uh, yeah. some uh, musicians come in. We're going to be serenaded here at the Rideau Curling Club. Yeah, I believe it's the cello night. Yeah, so, so a, a lot of fun there. I will note that one of the individuals did not take their shoes off at the door, but, you know, I'm not going to say anything about that. Okay. Uh, so uh, those are the 16 teams who are participating. Well, 17, as we did the That's right. the two wildcard uh, teams. Overall, Scott, I- I'm really excited, as I said. Scotty's is my favorite event. Uh, another thing that we did mention, the purse in has increased. So parity with oh, yeah. the men, now $300,000 up for grabs, one hundred and five thousand dollars to the winner sixty five thousand for second place forty five thousand for third place everybody else splits eighty five thousand based on standings and it's going to be dave merklinger ice out there in moose jaw where the seating capacity is forty five hundred people draw times of 8 30 1 30 6 30 local local so 10 30 3 30 8 30 eastern time and for all the other time zones, you can figure it out based uh, on where you live. I believe it's opposite. It's only one hour difference right now from Saskatchewan. Okay. Right? Sure. I, well, I looked at the times in Eastern, and they were pretty... Uh, okay, great. You know, It's even better. Yeah, it's, it's way better. 7.30, uh, 2.30, and 9.30? Yeah, that's yeah. right. There you go. So let's make our pick, Scott. Uh, rules apply as always. We pick four teams to make the playoffs. One point for each correct one. One team to win. If you get that right, it's an additional point. So five points are available here. Who you got? All right. Uh, so I'm only going to pick the playoffs, right? We don't have to pick We don't have pool. to pick championship pool, no. Okay. Uh, from pool B, 
I'm going to start Pool B. I'm going to go uh, Ontario. Yep. is going to be one of my teams that get out there. Cool. And uh, I, Man- Manitoba is going to happen. Yeah. Uh, it's starting. It's starting. Yeah. It's exciting. Should, should Isn't we? Isn't it exciting? Should we get out of here? I'm, no, it's, it's a, just go, it's man. It's distracting just, yeah, me. You, well, it's, it's music. It's nice. Uh, it's a cello. Uh, okay, so I have Ontario, Manitoba. Give me Alberta, and give me uh, Northern Ontario to make the playoffs. Okay, well. so Ontario, Northern Ontario, Manitoba, Alberta. Your winner is Rachel Holman. Rachel Holman from Ontario. I'm going to go a bit of a different tact. I'm going to put Team Canada in there. Chelsea Carey, just too good yeah, at these events. Good call. To say no to. I also am going to go with Rachel Holman here in the field uh, to make the playoffs. I think she has just a, such an advantage in Pool B compared to some of those teams in Pool A. I'm going to go with the wildcard team. I like whoever comes out of that game. Uh, Tracy yeah. Fleury or Jennifer Jones. Good, I'm, I'm going to go with pick. them. And for my final playoff team... I'm going to go a little bit with an upset pick. I'm going to, I don't know if it's an upset pick, uh, but I'm going to go with Laura Walker yeah. to uh, come through. You know, Alberta not making the playoffs at a national championship always feels weird. I yeah. mean, it happens. It happens sometimes, but it's pretty but weird. it's always weird when it does. And I, uh, I think I'm going to go with, I, I, yeah, I got to go with Rachel Holman to win too, and not to copy. Oh, but, boy, uh, Sean. I do have to go with Rachel Holman. So uh, we'll see how that all plays out over the course of the next week and a half. Scott, I'm so excited for the Scotties. Me too, and I'm also excited to uh, get out of here. So <laughs> Yeah, so, uh, so thanks for listening. You can tell that uh, we are getting the rush out. So uh, if you have not yet, please do subscribe to the show wherever you get your shows because we're going daily during the event. So That's starting right. Friday night, uh, about half hour to an hour after TSN goes off the air, we'll drop our episode every day through the Scotties. Very excited for it. Uh, so do subscribe and follow along. And follow us Instagram, Twitter at Game of Stones Pod. You can find us uh, on email too. Questions, comments, Game of Stones Podcast at gmail.com. And we're gonna try uh, during the the event to do at least one question or comment from somebody on Twitter uh, or each email, day. Yeah. Each day. So yeah. uh, send us those questions, and we'll do our best. We'll address it. So uh, so that that'll be a lot of fun. Very much looking forward to it. So uh, enjoy it, everybody. We'll talk with you again on Friday night. But until then. Keep those brooms on the ice and don't dump that intern.